Welcome everybody to Get The K.O. Featured right here on Franken Culture. My name is Clifford Red Dog Miller. As always, I'm your host. And as always, my co-host is Anthony Lou Luhan. Say what up. What up, everybody? So today, as always, you guys know we try to get special guests on the show as always. We have another one, That's of course. This is the one... The only Ricky, <laughs> the only slick Rick Trevino. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Cliff, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Anthony, it's always a pleasure talking to you as well, my. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Cliff. Welcome to the show, Rick. So, for some of you guys hey, who yo. don't know, Slick Rick is a really good friend of ours from high school. Uh, he's also a wrestler, uh, so he's definitely diverse in the. In the whole world of MMA, just like I am and just like Anthony is. Also, the one other thing about that Slick Rick has that neither myself nor Anthony have done. Uh, we are not friends or we're not friends and have pictures with, uh, you know, the current lightweight heavyweight champ. Light heavyweight champ. <laughs> Good old John Jones, man. I'll tell you what, I got that. At the last Rick. night, it's it's one of those nights where it's like, John Jones, yeah, man, I got drunk with John Jones one night. Let me tell you about that real quick. <laughs> I officially got one of them stories that I could pass on to my great great grandkids someday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's even crazier? Ricky has something that we don't have. Ricky, how did you do in wrestling? And wrestling in high school or in yeah, general? <laughs> uh, wrestling was cool, man. We uh, high school. I was a state runner up my senior year. I got pinned by a guy who went up to uh, who ended up being a, a national runner up, I believe, at State Cloud University, Mr. Andy Picorni. And uh, the year before that, I got fourth, and I got beat out by the same guy that beat me in the original bracket. Lost nine to ten in the constellation finals. So I got a couple of those state medals, but that's back in my glory days. <laughs> he said back in your glory days yeah i mean that's that's a long time ago too because well like 2005 that we we're talking about yeah uh that was in 2007 and 2006 god bless even so, even not quite that old yet yeah i'm there i'm way past that <laughs> so is anthony actually <laughs> oh man yeah what year did you graduate clifford back in like 75 i did i did 19, 1975 like exactly you spot oh, okay. on 1975. <laughs> I graduated with the Centennial class. Listening to Van Halen back in the day. Yeah, hey, Anthony. pretty much, man. Pretty actually, much. Got Clifford out there warming up with this good old cassette player. Yeah, actually, and I did. His, uh, I'm a gigantic. My, my, we had your Walkman going, listening to I, the Tiger and Van Halen. I did. It cost me $100 <laughs> carrying that Walkman around. You know, it's funny, oh, though, man. man. Ask Anthony when he graduated. High school. When did you graduate, Anthony? Go ahead, go ahead, uh, appease the fans and let us know. <laughs> so, many yes, of sir. you don't know, is I got my GED in 2005. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Yeah. He graduated at the top of his class of, <laughs> he graduated at the top of his class of, you know, one student. <laughs> hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that GED. Let me tell you something about the GED, man. I mean, I don't really know what to, what to say about it because I never really looked into it, but I'm sure there's some good shit if you, if you dig hard enough. <laughs> Stands for a good <laughs> enough <laughs> degree. <laughs> anyway, if we get back on track with, with, with what we're doing today. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, okay. 
enough this, of uh, Anthony's educational background there. <laughs> this is a common theme every time that we get around each other. All right, so let's get to started, right? So UFC 232, 232 happened last night. Um, and for some of you guys who don't know, that would have been December 29th. Whenever you guys are listening to this, uh, December 29th was UFC 232. It was in California. Originally, this fight card was supposed to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. But obviously, because John Jones popped positive, I say that in quotations, pop positive, uh, for a picogram of a previous uh, substance called Chernobyl in the system. Uh, State of Nevada didn't want to give him a, a, his license, so they moved him over to California where he got licensed because they couldn't find anything on short term. So let's just jump right into this first fight, right? So we had uh, Keller versus Jackson. So uh, Montel Jackson is actually uh, came out in the first round. Uh, Keller had a couple quick kicks, late kicks. Uh, jab with a right hook, uh, connected with Jackson. Jackson uh, delivered a nasty elbow, instantly dropped Keller. Uh, Keller hit the mat, and then once Keller uh, tried to roll to his base, uh, Jackson was able to lo- uh, lock on the, dar- the Darce choke. Uh, it was a quick, quick fight, first round. Um, I think they even replayed this back on Fox Sports One, so it was kind of cool to watch. Uh, Anthony, you got any, anything you want to talk about on this fight? Well, it's just it's just funny to see because we were talking last week about our uh, some favorite submissions last year and uh, of this of this last year and coming up and we talked about how Darren Till got uh, choked out by Tyrone Woodley uh, via Dars and this fight we get a Dars choke in it. Yeah, no, it was, it was a and he looked very very smooth putting on his Dars choke. Ricky, did you happen to catch that fight? I did not, man. I actually I didn't catch the card until later on. So everything you guys are telling me is is uh, news to me as far as this, as far as these early fights go. Okay, man. So, right on, right on. But but go ahead. What weight class were, are those two guys at? Anthony, did you catch the weight class? What weight class was it? I missed out. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was so like I was taking all the notes and stuff, man. I even got like who the ref was, man. I didn't even think about catching who was gonna be on. Was- the card. <laughs> there you go. All right. We had him at bantamweight. So, there you go. Yeah. All right, so let's move up, right? So we had Curtis uh, Curtis Millender versus Sayer uh, Baja Dura Zada. Um, this this was a fight. Um, you know, it went all three rounds. In round one, we had Millender with some nasty late kicks. Uh, they were some great dueling back and forth. Uh, and then Millender to continually landing the great uh, nasty kicks. Moving into the second round, Millender was trying to push the fight. Uh, Sayer uh, got busted wide open. And then Sayer's um, true skill actually started coming out. And as I say that in the sense that he was throwing a lot of heavy heavy haymakers. Uh, but he did score a good takedown. Uh, Sayer was doing great controlling in the fight from the side guard. Once we got to round three, uh, Milandor was looking to, to counter. Uh, he started landing some huge bombs. Sayer uh, with a takedown. He had great pounding, uh, some great ground to pound. Uh, Sayer then moved uh, for another takedown attempt, but Melander was able to reverse it. He ended up on top. Uh, the judges scored this card 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27, all three unanimous decision for Millinder. Uh, Millinder has Millinder, uh something I kind of I wanted to note note on here. Millinder looked like he has great hands, but he just has a terrible ground game, which is something that every fighter has that ability to improve something. And I think this was. The biggest hole in Millinder's game was that once he got taken down, he didn't know how to get back up. He was just kind of like flopping like a fish, hoping that something would pop up. What's your thoughts on that, Anthony? It's the one fight that I did I really didn't get a chance to catch because we were hosting. 
Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so this was the welterweight fight. It was interesting to watch, so we got to keep an eye on Millinder uh, coming up for these future fights. We're going to move up to Anthony's favorite fight. This is uh, at the middleweight, Uriah Hall versus Bevan Lewis. Uh, another another great fight. Uh, thing about this fight, too, went three rounds. Uh, so in the first round, we had Lewis uh, pushing the pace instantly. He came off. Uh, Lewis uh, was trying to establish himself pretty quick. Then he started to like back off once Hall started establishing his jab. Hall began fighting back. Lewis's endurance kind of started to show. He just looked like he got too energetic. Um, once we got into the second round, Hall was looking to dominate the round. Uh, Lewis uh, did have some great counters for, for Hall, which was starting to make Hall's game kind of back up. Lewis, uh, he, tried, he, uh, he faked out. Actually, this was probably like the co coolest moment in the fight. Uh, Lewis, uh, he, he faked really, really hard. And Hall jumped with a flying knee just instantly. And as soon as he came up, he came back down. Lewis countered him with a two-hit. It was probably one of the coolest counters that I'd seen in a long time. Once we get into round three, uh, Hall and Lewis were kind of circling around each other, moving back and forth. But then uh, Hall landed a nasty right hook to Lewis, which instantly dropped him. Uh, and it was an ender in the third round uh, by KO. So, Anthony, what was your thoughts on that, on that fight? You know, um... Before uh, Uriah Hall connected with that hook that, that ended the fight, I was literally saying that Uriah Hall has been the biggest letdown since the championship since the championship fight in uh, the Ultimate Fighter where he uh, got beat by Kevin Gastelum, and then he hit him with that. I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "That just happened." Yeah. No, so, I saw the highlights of that. And that sounded like i didn't i didn't catch the fight i caught the highlights on twitter and i also caught his uh, post-fight interview which is pretty insane too but uh man it looked like he from my understanding the guy was getting stomped on pretty hard and then he just ends up coming back with that huh yeah so it was like pretty crazy it's like lewis like like i said lewis in the first round set the tempo like he was coming out and dropping like some heavy heavy bombs and he was looking at he was looking at uh at Hall, like, he was just going to run right through him. And then in the second, it was somewhere between, like, the first round, kind of towards the end, he, uh, Hall started establishing his jab. Once he started establishing the jab, you kind of saw, like, Lewis was kind of like, all right, well, if he's going to start throwing a jab, I'm going to count it a jab. So the second round, you yeah. saw, like, the jabs started getting thrown a lot more because Hall didn't want to throw his kicks. So once Hall kind of gave up on the kick game, you know, Lewis kind of had his number with the jab. Yeah. He just had better boxing. And then in the third yeah, that's round, that's a pretty Hall decent just, win for Uriah Hall too, man. That's one that that's one he definitely needed. That is for yeah, sure. Because yeah. I mean, I tell you what, I thought that dude. I was like, eh, you know, he's kind of going out the door now. But I don't know. It's kind of one of those deals where, like Anthony was saying, you know, it's like, damn, man, this guy has been a pretty big letdown, and and uh, so that's one he's definitely needed. And, you know, it's cool he got it, man. Especially because of everything that's going on with like his family and stuff. So. Yeah, well, you know, Lewis Lewis was undefeated going into this fight. So it was kind of crazy to see someone get get their zero race by Uriah Hall. So it was a, yeah, it was a great win for Uriah. Insane, man. Yeah, so sure. let's move over. So we got um, Nathaniel Wood versus um, UL, uh, Andre UL. And this is a Bantamway fight as well. So in the first round, uh, Yule, that's right. That's how he's pronounced, Yule. Yule, uh, he got – he um, – he got his kick caught pretty quick, and Nathaniel was able to land a two-hit uh, combo from the top. Then, uh, you know, Yule escapes, and Wood, uh, Wood had a great inside left kick, which uh, dropped Yule. So that was a that was a pretty 
uh, pretty big, massive uh, blow to him. Uh, once we get into the second round, uh, Wood just kept landing leg strike after leg strike. Yule and Wood were continuing to try to throw back and forth. Uh, Yule just staying on the... Uh, he got, I think he got taken down. He just stayed on the ground. He didn't really want to move. He was just kind of laying there, just kind of holding on. Woods was dropping bombs from the body, um, to the body from the top, which were pretty heavy, and it kind of played into like to the third round, right? So, once we got into the third round, Wood, Wood had a nice trip. Wood scored with the takedown with a back trip, and then you'll um, continue to fight on his back, but then Wood was able to to lock in your rear naked choke once. Uh, once Yule kind of just rolled over, he tried to get back to his base. wasn't going to happen, uh, and Wood locked in the rear naked choke for submission in the third round. So this was a pretty nasty fight, uh, but it made Wood look Wood looked really really good for uh, just kind of again the fight just kind of seemed like it went all over. It was a weird structure. Definitely, that fight was uh, definitely owned uh, by Wood. From beginning to end, yeah, he he structured that pretty well, so it was it was really good. So we're gonna move over, right? So this is probably the one fight that Anthony's gonna want to spend the most time on, so we have to definitely get into it. So we got into the first fight for the preliminary card, and in this fight, we have BJ Penn versus Ryan Hall. Uh, most of you guys know already how we feel about BJ Penn. Uh, we've talked about it numerous times on this program. Uh, but in the first round, Hall uh, was avoiding a lot of strikes, and Hall was trying to force fights to the ground. Uh, BJ Penn didn't want to get into that move. And then it was the weirdest rolling takedown, uh, but ended up scoring a nasty knee hook, and uh, you know BJ Penn tapped instantly, and it was a pretty devastating in uh, injury too oh, because man. BJ was having trouble walking around the, around the octagon. What was your What was your thoughts on the fight? Uh, Ricky, that that one I did watch, man. You know, God, man, I don't really know what to say. BJ Penn, dude. I mean, it's uh just one of those where it's like it's awesome to watch the guy and everything, and it's like uh, nostalgic almost to watch BJ Penn. But it's just like watching someone trying to come back and do something that this isn't there anymore, man. I mean, I tell you what, if I was at a bar and BJ Penn was there and there was a fight, I would have him back me up. But to have to see him in the cage, man, I don't know. I just the dude just looks like. Like, hey, man, just hang him up. Go home, BJ. And uh, that heel hook, though, dude, that's it. That's what it ended, you know, and that was just nasty. And uh, he instantly, dude, like you said, he instantly tapped out. What do you do now with BJ Penn moving forward? What do you do if you're BJ Penn? You know, and, and that's the thing, though, is, is they were talking about it on the card, right? Like, Joe Rogan brought it up. Like, he's like, what are you doing still here? What is the reason why you're here? Is it because you want to be a champion or is it because you think that, uh, you got you got something to prove, and then Dominic Cruz brought up the most interesting point, and he said maybe it's just because he doesn't know anything outside of fighting, and that's all he knows how to do, and that's all he that's all he knows, that's all he thinks he knows, and it was a very interesting point to hear because I thought about it too, and I was like, man, like how far BJ BJ Penn has fallen is crazy, but I will give this, and I do have to give credit where credit is due. He looked really good at lightweight. I could not believe how much he was yeah. cutting when he was dropping to 145. He looked sick. He looked like he just couldn't hold. He wasn't holding well. So seeing him at 155 again, like he definitely looked a lot better. So I will have to give him that. He looked a lot more. He looked a little bit more natural. I'm not right. for sure. Yes. And uh, but you know, yeah, when he was at when he was at 45s, man, it was kind of 
Like, you know, like you, you would almost feel bad for the guy. I mean, it just looked like he was just going to die at any minute. Right. And the, and the talent at yeah. 145 was ridiculous, too. Man, he fought Frankie Edgar. He fought Yair Rodriguez. And he just oh got dominated by those guys. And you could tell that the weight cut is what really did it for him because he wasn't cutting down properly, and he wasn't he wasn't around 145 anyway. And he's just – it just reminded me of when they introduced to 145 and Ken Florian dropped to 145, and he just looked so sick. And that's what mm-hmm. BJ looked too. BJ was in the same trap, yeah. and like now you look well, you know, back and, and like, like watching wow. him, it's like um, a long, t- like a few years back in uh, in what they call the RFA. It's a, it's a really like a, it's, it's kind of a small promotion. But I don't know if you guys remember a guy by the name of Jens Pulver. Yep. Uh, you better remember Jens Pulver. But anyway, a former UFC champion uh, came out and he and he fought uh, Tim Elliott. And this was before Tim Elliott uh, wrestled, or before he fought in the UFC. And uh, watching Jens Pulver like live was to me was one of the coolest things ever. But at the time he was fighting in Kearney, Nebraska, so you're like, ah, former UFC champion fighting in Kearney, Nebraska. It's like uh, watching uh, Jens Pulver. He actually ended up getting knocked out by flying knee by Tim Elliott that night. And uh, watching uh, Tim Elliott knock out Jens Pulver. Uh, in Kearney, Nebraska, to me, was like, oh my gosh, man! Like that, it was it was sad because at the same time, it's like that's one of your like, you know, favorite guys. But then you're watching him get knocked out, like in a small town, Nebraska. Like honestly, I think that's where like BJ Penn needs to be right now. It's just get to the point where he's like, all right, man, if you want to fight, fight. But you need to do it in a smaller card where, even if you're gonna get knocked out, at least you're not gonna be killing your legacy. Because I think every time he takes a loss when he comes into the UFC octagon, man, it just like takes one more chip away from people remembering him against the great fights with like George St. Pierre, you know, and Shirk and those guys. And it's, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. You what know? is your thought process about Anthony? We discussed this many, many times since 2010, he's one eight and one. I think that's what it is. Um, sitting here wondering why he's doing this. Is he trying to get that one last win to retire? But I believe he just signed an, an, another contract in the UFC this year to put on like a four fight contract. So Holy, does, does he even have four or five fights in him? What's I mean? I get the name getting drawn. Like he's a big draw. He is. I mean, I he was in my area. I'd go watch him. But at the same time, like I mean, what are you? Who are you gonna find in the UFC? I mean, I can't think of one guy off the top of my head that I can be like, yeah, BJ Penn would smoke him. No. Oh, and that's the thing that they. They put him against a uh, a wizard, uh, Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall six and one, and three he's and zero. Chump either, man. He's a beast. He's he, he he's he's a wrestler. He's a he's an Olympic medalist uh, in wrestling. Uh, it's just crazy. Just just the, everything last night. Just he said for for a few, and then Ryan Hall got up, checked him, and then dove and twisted. Towards his feet, got a heel hook, and that's the end of BJ's knee for the night, probably for a while now. Uh, I just, it sucks. It sucks because I'm, I'm not a huge BJ Penn fan, but I know like Cliff. Cliff's a huge BJ Finn fan, bit, bit, Jesus, BJ Penn fan because he uh, loves the Hawaiian fighters, and BJ Penn just keeps getting lost after loss. Like, how much longer before you just say, okay, enough, hang him up? No, oh, no, I, I, and agree. you know, that's the thing with like, like UFC, like, uh, the UFC right now, 
um, it is on like a wrestler's kick, man. Like all these guys that are like, even last night, like look at John Jones when he took out uh, Gustafa and whatever the, Spoiler I, alert. you know, Alexander, when he took him out, dude, he was like, it, it just went back to the basics of wrestling, you know? And um, with all these wrestlers, like you're getting all these like national champion, like division two national champions, you know, like guys that are all American division two guys, not division one, man, division two guys that are coming out here and are like dominating or getting their way into the UFC. Like well, because of the wrestling stuff, like, you know, guys like VJ Penn and, you know, these dudes who are really good at jujitsu and everything. I mean, I think wrestling is really over starting to overtake jujitsu. I mean, jujitsu is an awesome tool and everything, but with wrestling being such a popular sport right now and all these Olympic type wrestlers. And I mean, all these guys that are just loving the sport coming into the UFC, man, that's going to be huge. But I and, want to put uh, some unless emphasis you can wrestle, on something man, I, first. It was something that Anthony said, and I want to make sure we get this emphasis, and we, and we make this correct, right? So Ryan Hall was a wrestler, but the thing about Ryan Hall is that he's a world champion Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist, like gi and no gi. So let's not like take – let's not make this seem no. like he went in there and like BJ no. Penn just got overrolled. It was just that this is a man who – literally trains all the time in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And the craziest part was, at one time, BJ Penn was a world champion at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that's kind of what transitioned him into MMA. So it's mm-hmm. it's very interesting to watch kind of like a passing of torch, like a baton kind of deal. But it's also mm-hmm. on the same token, kind of how Anthony has said, is that it's very damaging to someone like me because I'm a huge BJ Penn fan. Like, I'm a big Hawaiian fighter fan. And to watch these guys kind of chip their own legacy away, it's it's kind of something that Dana has said. He's mentioned it a few times. It's just, it's a fighter who's too tough for his own good. And that sometimes yeah. you just have to have that talk and say, hey, look, man, like, we love you, but... It's it's time to either move to another different promotion, kind of like if you said, or it's just time to to call it a career. Like you're already everything exactly. that you I mean, need to do, you've already done. Like you are a champion, you're a Hall of Famer. So what are you still fighting for? There's nothing yeah. left for you to do. Literally nothing left for you. You fight exactly. everything from featherweight all the way up to light heavyweight. There's nothing left for you in this in this sport. Like just go do something coach you know if you yeah. want to if you want to train with other people go train with other people but it's just that it's just frustrating for me it's just that he just doesn't you know, know and it's like and it's crazy yeah and you know the only you know what's bringing him back honestly the only thing that i could think of that's bringing bj pin back and and i know that it's going to be pretty cliche to say it but man it's all about the money dude i guarantee you that bj pin is getting paid pretty good by uh you know he's getting paid some pretty good cash by dana white there man but it's kind of sad because it's like hey dana come on man the guy's gonna end up getting killed all because you want to get a draw well i mean i'm sure bj and his family love the money but at the same time it's like i mean it's like you're destroying the guy's legacy every time he comes in like he's already retired you know he's he's retired before like multiple times already and he's still like and he keeps coming right back and every time he retires i'm like okay cool you can cut it off right now and he's perfectly fine but he just always brings it back, man. And it just gets to the point where it's just like, hey, hey, you know, this this is not cool because, you know, you're getting these younger these younger MMA fans coming up and everything. Not just fans, but like fighters and everything who look at those fights, you know, to as you know, these are like heroes growing up to you know these guys growing up, and then and now they're watching them fight. But it's just like it's not. It's like watching Michael Jordan play for the Wizards, man. You know, it's just not. It's not the same. It's and. Not- uh, 
it sucks is I think I really do believe that his reason his reason behind it is just simply because of the paycheck. Yeah, no, I I agree. The, the problem too is that like, you know, it's funny because like someone like um like like Dana White went out and called Oscar De La Hoya out about Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell fighting. Like, dude, you oh. cannot call out Chuck Liddell for fighting, and he's fifty plus years old. And here you have BJ Penn, who's on like he's like on a six fight losing streak. I mean, Anthony just said yeah. it. He's won eight and one in his last like. Tw- Ten fights. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, get out of here with that, man. Exactly. It's like I total. I would totally understand if he would had. If he was at least like you know three and three, fifty. You know, fifty percent wins and losses his last uh, fights. But it's not like that. He's just constantly getting his butt kicked. Yeah. And it's just it's it doesn't make sense to bring him back outside of just people wanting to watch BJ Penn. But you know, it's I don't think that's at this point. It's just like you know, eventually people are going to get tired of it. They're going to figure it out and. He won't be a draw, and that's what's going to happen. And that's how you're going to get rid of guys like BJ Penn. Yep. Is, uh, people are just going to say, oh, well, here we go, BJ Penn. We're going to watch this guy get rocked again, and no one's going to want to watch it. And that's what it's going to take. Once people stop watching him and start and stop being interested in BJ Penn, um, that's when you're going to see him disappear. And that's when you'll see him you know, signing autographs at Comic-Cons and shit. Well, hopefully that happens soon. So let's move on, right? So we have Andrade, um, Andrade versus Jan, right? So um, in this fight, uh, Andrade, uh, he lands in some nasty shots. Jan was able to get some great kicks in. Andrade uh, got his leg caught, and then he got taken down. Both fighters had answers for each other, which was really great. And then it was a great takedown for Jan with um, like really perfect timing. I just couldn't knock him. So let's move over to round two. So this is kind of the interesting one. So Jan looked great. He was finding his range. Uh, he took uh, Adraj to the ground. Jan had a front uh, headlock uh, locked in. It was looking. Uh, he was just moving in and out. God, he just he looked like a wrestler that had been wrestling for like decades. He was just moving all around Adraj. Adraj didn't really have an answer for it. And then Jan just conti- Jan just continued to uh, punish Andrade all the way up until the end. So in the second round, uh, the the fight came to the end of the second round. Uh, there was a corner stoppage. Uh, Jan. Just he had an answer for everything that Adraj was trying to throw at him, and uh, so Jan won by TKO corner stoppage in the, in the second round. So it was a great win for Jan. So if you listen to the program, Jan, congratulations. I'm sure you don't, but I hope you do sometime. You have an answer for that, Anthony? Uh, I mean, just even looking at the stats, like we watched the fight, we seen what happened go down in the second round. Jan threw 290 throw uh, punches. In two rounds, and not quite two rounds, um, landing two hundred and two of them. That's a hundred. That, that's that's almost one hundred and fifty uh, each round. How crazy is that? It's insane. Yeah, that's insane, man. But uh, yeah, so it was, like I said, it was a great win. Um, let's move over. Let's move over to um, probably the oddest fight of the night, right? So we had a uh, Casagano versus Megan Anderson. Uh, this ended after one kick, which uh, caught Katsugano in the eye. Uh, it was very, very weird. She had a lacerated um, eyelid because of it, and she was very scared to open her eyes. So as Katsugano got hit in, the, hit in the face with a foot, uh, the toe went in, poked her in the eye, and uh, she, just, she instantly turned, which is really weird because Katsugano is very, very tough, and uh, instantly just threw the towel in the fight, said, I couldn't do it. And she just waited 
Uh, ref came in, stopped, because she was obviously not intelligent, defending herself. They stopped the fight, and I guess Kazagano, from what I've been reading about, she had a checkup, she had a laceration to her eye, they stitched her up, and they said that she was good to go, and they cut her loose, but uh, yeah, it was a very scary situation, because people have lost their eye because of taking kicks from, like, Muay Thai pads, and Kazagano taking one to the eye was, it was my first time I've ever seen someone stop a fight because they got a toe to the eye. Yeah. And that's insane, man. Uh, I, I didn't really do too much follow-up on the type of injury that, that it was. Was it to her, uh, was there any damage to the cornea or the uh, actual centerpiece of the eye or anything? Or was it just kind of, you said they cut her loose, so it must have not been too crazy. Right. I don't know how much you looked into it, but what's the follow-up on that whole so, injury? So the only thing that they ever mentioned was that there was a laceration on her eyelid and that they stitched oh, okay. it up and they let her go. Yeah, that's still pretty scary, man. Anytime you start messing with those eyes and everything like that. And it's like, it's the same thing, you know, you, you know, the eye pokes and everything like last night, like, uh, when Jones fought, there was an eye, a nasty eye poke there. And people were like, well, why stop the fight near an eye pokes and whatever. It's the same thing. You take a toe or, or a finger to the eye hard enough, man, especially with those kicks. There's so much force behind them. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, that's a very dangerous scenario, but I'm glad that I'm glad that you know, the fight ended and, you know, they didn't try to keep it rolling, man. And that's how you keep these fighters safe. And that's how you get them to come back later on and, you know, get healthy and everything again, man. So that was pretty wild though, man. That was, I did catch that one. So, so it's, that's, it's definitely saying that Anderson threw like a great kick. I just want people to know that it was weird. It's just like so weird how like Anderson's toe just like a freak stuck. Deal, yeah. It's just a freak accident. And even, like, I know, like, Ariana Hawale, uh, Ariel Hawale said, uh, he's like, it's not the same thing as when you get, uh, like, a finger in the eye, right? Because then that could be intentional, that could be accidental, whatever the case might be. But this was a toe, and it's completely accidental, and that, it was just a very yeah, scary situation for her. So, you know, think about how much force go behind those kicks, man. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of force going behind that kick. And for the toe to hit you in the eye that's like oh man that would hurt so bad i don't care who you are guy or girl man someone kicks you in the face and it connects with your eyelid the toe does it's gonna hurt like hell man. especially if you don't cut your toenails like oh god that's gonna kill anthony what's your thought it was just a crazy way to end the fight god. but it that's, was a good I, I was just i was trying to read up on the on the, the eye poke if it's an eye poke, like it clearly was with the toe, should the referee have given a stoppage like a regular eye poke with a finger? Well, I think it's because it's, I think it's it's just an odd situation. So maybe it's something that the UFC is gonna have to look into. But it definitely wasn't like it wasn't like it was an intentional strike. It was definitely she was going for a, for a head kick, you know, and it's just a freak a freak thing that happens. But I think. What ultimately happened, they, they ended up stopping the fight because obviously, you know, Kat turned and she, like, ran to the fence and um, she closed both her eyes. She just didn't want to open them. And as she got connected a couple times, then obviously Mark, uh, Mark Gagard came in. He stopped the fight and he was just like, no, she's not defending herself anymore, so we have to stop the fight. So I think I think yeah. for it, I mean, they, they stopped the fight, but it was ultimately a different kind of stoppage than, like, a standard yeah. eye poke. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird, man. I tell you, the only thing I saw freakier that night was uh, Mike Vitran's beard. That's about it. 
<laughs> Mike, Mike Beltran. Yo, speaking spirit. of Mike Beltran, <laughs> Belton, Beltran. So Andrew Vlaski fought Harris, uh, Walt Harris. This was a heavyweight fight. Uh, so in the first round, uh, Vlaski was pushing to pushing for takedowns, but uh, they were getting defended well by Harris. Harris also was avoiding a lot of the back spinning hands. Uh, getting to the second round, uh, Vlaski uh, had an eye poke. Actually, now that we're talking about this, <laughs> he got poked in the eye. Harris huh. and Vlaski just uh, looking for shots. And in round three, Harris lands uh, a heavy left. Uh, Vlaski was trying to pressure, to, uh, continue to try to pressure the fight. Uh, but the fight kind of ended like in a stalemate. And the thing was, is like, I, I know a lot of crowd were kind of like, not really booing the fight. They were just kind of like, meh. And I know I had a couple friends on the side that were like, yo, this fight is lame, blah, 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 blah. But it was like there was so much respect for power in this fight that neither guy wanted to engage. And the way this broke down was 30-27 Arvlosky, 29-28 Harris, and then 29-28 for uh, Walt Harris in a split decision. It was a great win for, for uh, Walt. It'll definitely help him crack into the top 15. But um, – yeah, I was just I, – I think that's something for me too is that when you get two fighters that just love to throw bombs and then they uh, they they don't they don't throw bombs at all. It's like, what? what? You guys are meant to like be killers <laughs> right. and you guys aren't. You guys are just – you guys both have natural respect and I get that, right? And you don't want to get into the range of the other person because obviously you're going to go to sleep. But it's just mm. – there's so much power. There's so much respect that – they're, you know, it, they might as well have been on the other side of the octagon, kind of just like circling each other, never wanting yeah. to engage. And that's the thing, man, is, you you know, like nowadays with everybody being so well-rounded, you know, I mean, it's like, and like you said, you know, the respect for each other's, for the, for each other's abilities and talents, man, it's a, it's a, you see that a lot more now in the UFC, um, as far as like guys going in to do what their main weapons are, you know, cause they know, they know what they can do, but they also are aware that the other guy has prepared for it. And when they're both so mutually matched up like that is being able to have that knockout power and everything. What do you do? You're both not wanting to get knocked out. So you're going to stay out of range. And that's when you get those kind of, you know, like you said, yeah, you might as well just set them on the opposite side of octagons. Cause that's what it was, man. Yep. I it mean, was. I'm not, I mean, you got to admit, man, as an athlete, you know, it's one of those deals where, I mean, it's just a natural thing to do. If you know someone's going to light you up with it, you stay away from it. And uh, when you're both, when you both have the same the same uh, game plan, what do you do? You, see, you end up seeing a couple fighters staying completely the hell away from each other's range. Yep, so, it was insane. It's kind of crazy. Anthony, what's your thoughts on that fight? Uh, it's a hard one because I am an Olovsky fan. Like Andre, uh, I scored the fight for for Arlovsky and for him to get his hand raise kind of sucked. Um, even going by the stats, even the, just the two takedowns by Walt Harris, was it enough because he got outstruck 96-52, significant-wise 88-48? I just – I don't know about this fight. I don't know how they scored to that third round. Needless to say, um, really do think that Andre Arlovsky won that fight. You know, and that's the reason why we have split decisions, man, because obviously, you know, one way is going to lean one way and one way is going to lean another. I kind of saw the fight the way that the judges saw the fight. I thought Harris won it, especially in that third round when he had his, like, one, he had one big punch in that fight. And I definitely was like, all right, I think I can give this to Harris. So we're going to move over to our next fight. Chad Mendez uh, fought Vol uh, Volkanovski. Uh, so this was a very interesting fight. 
Um, I know that Chad Mendes had talked a lot to, about uh, Alexander uh, Volinsky coming in and trying to set set a name at Chad name at Chad's expense. Uh, but both started circling very well, looking for strikes. They both had a kind of the same kind of game, a lot of combos, a lot of speed. Uh, it was Chad, Chad was making a lot of moves. Mendez went to look for counters. Uh, but the jab was definitely landed from Volonovsky, which I think is what limited uh, Chad to do what he had to do. Once we got into the second round, Chad, uh, he landed on Vol- he landed a good punch on Volonovsky, which ultimately hurt him. Hurt him. Hurt him. Hurted. God. Um, and then Volonovsky... Uh, Began moving forward. Mendes uh, had a beautiful takedown, but then uh, Mendes had the takedown and was working for his submission. But Volonovsky got up. He landed a couple quick punches, and Chad ended up dropping and got KO'd in the second round. So big win for uh, uh, Alexander Volonovsky uh, by TKO in the second round. Uh, crazy thing about this fight too, it wasn't so much that Alexander won this fight. It was that Chad retired. After this fight, I don't know if you guys yeah. saw that or not, but Chad, Chad Mendes retired today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of those things, too, where uh, people um, were um, as far as Chad Mendes goes, like with that whole deal with Chad retiring, it's pretty ironic where, uh, you know, he was talking about, you know, Wolanowski coming and trying to make a name for him for himself. And then he ended up retiring him. It's like, come on, my man. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Insane, you know, insane. but it's also it's important to know too, man, that even though he did retire after that fight, you know that fight was also ironically the fight of the night. So it, it was. was. Uh, it was the fight I of the night too. They did win the yeah, fight of the night. Yeah, the uh, fight of the night. So and then, uh, which is crazy because uh, the last fight that uh, the last fight Mendes had ended up it was the performance of the night, and that's when he ended up uh, KO and Miles Jury. So it was kind of. I don't know, man. I think he had a. I think he's been he's been fighting well. I just think he had one. I mean, shit, dude. The guy that beat him is is a beast. I don't think that. I don't think it was the time for him to retire on that. You know, you it's know. crazy because Chad, um, like Chad was suspended for a year because of uh for peds, and then when he came back and he scored that knockout mm-hmm. last year, it was definitely like everybody was like, yeah. oh yeah, he's back. He's the man. Yeah. We keep exactly, him. dude. And then like, and then he went out. Yeah, I was hyped to watch him come back, man. Yeah, so was high. Tires, which makes me wonder. It's like, what? I'm like, dude. I'm like, you got this beast coming back now, and then now, like, uh, he takes one loss, which wasn't a bad loss, man. It's like, hey, if you're gonna lose, that's the type of dude you want to lose to. And uh, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think it was time for him to call it quits. I think no. it was just kind of. But you know, like you said, he got suspended for PEDs and stuff, and it's like, you know, if you're at the point where you're like, you know, I can't win unless I take those things. Um, whatever see ya but I he guess. won without it though <laughs> yeah like, well he that's won it, without and that's it. it and then he just was like, like ah, i'm done i think that's what it was it's just maybe like he was going through the motions and it's similar to uh misha tate right a couple years ago when she was going through the motions she understood everything and then she at the end of the at the end of the fight she was just like i'm done she's like i'm done i don't have nothing left and she retired, yeah. you know, she just understood like, you know, and, and it's funny because we, we talk about BJ Penn holding on way too long, but on the other side, we have Chad Mendes who just knew it was time to hang him up, you know what I mean? And he was like, and you have to commend him for that because you're like, yo, you understand that it, that is time. And so it was, I don't know, it was good for him. It was just sad to see 
Yeah. The, the, you know, the biggest difference, man, like, honestly, between BJ Penn and Chad Mendes, though, is BJ Penn, you know, was born, like, in 1977, 78. I, I think the guy's in his 40. I think he's got to be 40 by now, for sure. But Mendes, was only, he's only two years older than I am. I think he's, like, your age, Cliff. Honestly, I mean, I, the dude's got some youth to him still, man. Um I don't. I just don't think uh, BJ Penn. You know, he's he's got a almost a decade on on Mendes, dude. And it's like, hey man, you know. But I don't know if he thinks it's time to go. It's time to go. It is what it is, man. And yeah. uh, you never know. I mean, all the fights he all the fights he's had in, in his life. Who knows what's going on with his uh, with his health as far as like concussions and his brain and everything. Go only he knows. Yeah. So just to give you a heads up. Too. So BJ Penn is forty years old, and then Chad Mendes is thirty three. 33 so he's got about seven years on him yeah so i mean, I mean close, though. yeah i mean and that's but you know that's the thing it's like uh if, if if you're not winning and you're thinking you know for all we know he's probably because you see a lot of nfl players like retiring really young nowadays too man because of that stuff you know right when you have uh you know now in these uh you know who knows what's going on with him man but if he's done and he thinks he's done then it is what it is i'd rather see him be done and then uh, keep trying to push it and just coming out here and getting himself hurt. So yeah, it's definitely sad to see. So we're gonna actually. So Anthony, what's your what's your thoughts on it? Um, I don't think Money Mendez is retiring for long. I really don't think so. I think he still has some fight in him. If he uh, retires after that, um, there's something else going on with it. Definitely, just feel like like he just retired at the wrong time. No, maybe, maybe. So we're gonna move over, right? So we had uh, Elia Latifi versus Corey Anderson. Uh, this did go all three rounds. So Latifi landed a couple good uh, calf kicks. Anderson noticeably was limping. Latifi uh, landed a quick two. Anderson looked looked very Anderson looked very nervous in this first round. Uh, they get into the second round. Anderson began to be smart. Uh, he had a great takedowns. Uh, or he. Um, it was a great takedown stuff. That's what it was by Lati- uh, by Anderson on Latifi, and then uh, Latifi just looked like he hit a wall. He was just very, very tired. And then getting into that third round, Anderson was staying aggressive on the fight. Latifi, uh, he was just trying to look for separation. He just wasn't getting anything. And then Anderson started eating a lot of the punches that Latifi was throwing at him, and just del- delivering a great back and forth. I think like right towards the end, like there's like three seconds left. Latifi, like, told him to stay in the center and let's just bang it out. And Anderson just, like, threw his hands in the air and said, sure. And then the fight ended up being called. But uh, this was a 29-28 unanimous decision for Anderson. It was a good win by Anderson. I'm going to have to give him that. The one thing that you definitely did notice on there was that he was not he was not ready to engage against someone like Latifi. And Latifi was looking to just take the fight to the ground. And it wasn't he wasn't looking to engage and looking to take the fight to ground while Anderson was he wasn't looking to engage but he was trying to keep the fight up. So it was just a very odd game plan yeah. from what I saw. I personally man, I thought that fight wasn't very good. I thought it sucked. I was gonna throw that but I don't think there was a single takedown that entire fight. I don't think I don't I really I don't remember seeing one single takedown and I mean I don't know, I get it, you know, whatever. You know, whoever they're both going for the W, but it was just, I don't know, to me, it just wasn't as exciting as a main card fight should have been. But I'm a hater when it comes to the 
to no takedowns. So whatever. Right. What'd you think, Anthony? Was a uh, just he I literally peepy kind of like straight away from his leg kicks and it wasn't the uh, fight that I thought it was gonna be. I really didn't think it was a uh, great fight all in general. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. So we're gonna move over. This was Anthony. Anth- this was Anthony's uh, fight surprise fight, I guess if you want to call it. This was one of the fights that he was looking forward to. So we had Carlos Condit versus Michael Chiza. Uh, Kiza. Uh, Kiza had a oh, great takedown. Uh, then uh, he was still battling. Condit was still trying to battle from the bottom. He looked to lock on the armbar in, but Chiza escaped. Oh, Kiza escaped, and this was this was deep, and it looked like he was gonna have to tap. Uh, oh, but then Condit, and then Condit was looking for the heel hook uh, as well. But then we saw there was a big difference between like the Ryan Hall heel hook versus the Carlos Condit heel hook. Um, getting into the <laughs> second round. Uh, Kiza, uh, continued to throw, and then Kiza got the takedown. Once he got the takedown, uh, Kiza locked in the submission. He actually locked in a Kimura one-handed and got the tap, uh, on Carlos Condit. So Kiza in the second round by submission via one-armed Kimura. Uh, it was definitely probably, if, if I would have seen this fight before our, our final show, our, uh, top 10 show... I think I would have put this in my top submissions because it was just very impressive to see Kiza go out there and just lock in the Kimura uh, from pretty much just like you said, like I said, one-handed. Yeah, man, and I tell you what, like the way he as straight out as he put it. I mean, I don't know. I don't think Carlos Condit's arm could have rotated any further without it like snapping something. But to see how he had it stretched out and so locked in with just one arm. Man, like, you imagine how physically strong a person has to feel to, like, imagine, I don't know, like, I was watching that, and I just could not, uh, I mean, it just looked painful, man. I mean, he tapped, he knew he was done, but uh, that was one of those where there was, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a one-handed Kimura before like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I can't remember. The only other, uh, no, I don't think I remember anybody doing a one-handed one like that before. <laughs> it's it was a first. What was your thoughts on it, Anthony? You uh, he's a is a really good grappler. Um, then you have Carlos Condit, who's really good at with jiu-jitsu. wrestling. Overcame jiu-jitsu. Carlos Condit did have some good moments where he looked like he was defending and. On his when he was doing this thing on his back, many people don't know that Carlos Condit can fight from his back and win. He is a submission artist. I just think he was overpowered in this fight. Oh yeah, and even Kiza said it too. Kiza was very open about it. He said that you know he's like this was the game plan. This is what I was looking for. I know that not having to cut as much weight as I have to, I had a lot of strength still left in me. So it was definitely a big, big props to Kiza. Now he can literally say that he's one and one this year where he's won by a Kamara and lost by a Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Connor, for that Dolly throw in into the bus, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> All right, so let's move on, right? We're going to talk about... We're 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 gonna talk about the fight of the night, right? And I know you guys want to talk about the main event, but this was I think this was the fight of the night. So Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg. Uh, 
Ayo, in the first round, and in case you guys don't know, in the first round, Cyborg and Nunes just came out throwing heavy, heavy bombs. Ultimately, it was Nunes being able to land a right that dropped uh, that dropped Cyborg to the ground. Uh, and then Nunes just continued to keep landing. Cyborg kept standing up. She looked like she was trying to get back into it. And then she caught a heavy, heavy right, which ultimately ended her night. Cyborg dropped, was out. The fight was called instantly. Uh, and it was Nunes. By KO in the first round, which crazy enough, there's only been three fighters in the UFC who have been able to hold title belts simultaneously in two divisions. You've had Conor McGregor, you've had Daniel Cormier, and now you've had Amanda Nunes. How crazy is it to know that all three of those fighters did it in the same year? Yeah, it's crazy. Was it the same? No, I'm sorry. It was two years ago with with Conor. And then it was two right. of the three have done it this year. Yeah, that's insane, how, man. How crazy. How crazy did you guys jump off your chairs when Amanda <laughs> had her had a uh against the fence and we're just sitting there like this is happening. Yeah. I tell you what, dude. Right now. I thought Nunes I thought she was going to be a lot <laughs> less aggressive, man. I thought she was gonna kinda just hang out, see what happened. But you know what? That's the type of fight when you tell somebody like, hey, Let's go watch this UFC fight. You know, let's watch this MMA fight. That's the type of fight that people imagine in their heads, like just two people going for each other's throat and whoever gets the knockout wins the fight. And that's exactly what happened, man. They just went at it and it was over. It was, uh, but that's exactly how um, that, that was like a, it was a, I don't know. That's a dream ending scenario, man. What else do you want? You got two amazing champions just like throwing it down and, you know, no one's holding back. They're just going for it. And, and it ended. The fight ended quickly, but I mean, shoot, man, when you're thinking of a fight, like that's what you want to see. That's that was a fight, and that was a, uh, and it just came down to, to you know, Nunes ended up getting the knockout blow, man. Because I seriously think Cyborg probably could have knocked her out just as well. She would have connected. Oh yeah. But, um, it was it was great, man. It was great to see Nunes win that fight too. So so because uh, Cyborg the Cyborg train has really been annoying. So <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Anthony. No, you know. And the, and and to kind of piggyback onto what Ricky was saying, like she went in there this with the train to, to just to go, and he thought she and Ricky thought like he Ricky thought she was gonna step back and see what happens. A lot of these fighters do that with with cyborg because they don't want to come full, full full frontal and go at it like that. And Amanda knew that she had to, and Amanda was a lot quicker. And any of the fighters that uh, Justice, uh, just you know, uh, sorry, sorry uh, cyborg, cyborg has ever seen. Uh, Amanda was, and she was more powerful than any of the other fighters she's ever seen. And it was great to see Amanda get that fight. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely, man. And you know, and uh, just real quick, at, at the end of the fight, they asked her if, if uh, she saw the fight going, and it sounded, it seemed to me like she was super confident. Like, she knew, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to knock this girl out, and then I'm going to get out of here. And uh, I don't know. I didn't see any doubt in her voice or anything, but, you know, that's how champions are, man, I guess. When you're as good as, as she is, you know, it is what it is. So I think she was confident. I mean, it's one thing to go in there swinging like that. When you're going in there swinging like that and like knowing what you're doing, because normally when you see fighters going like that, it's like, crap, man, they're kind of overexcited or whatever. But, like, watching her go in there and fight the way she fought, man, it was like, she just was like, just laser point on, man. It was crazy. 
Yeah, it totally reminded me of uh, Dan Henderson versus Fedor Makalenko like a few years ago at Strike Force when it was still around. Like dudes were just you knew what you were gonna get. You're gonna get two two people who were gonna throw out heavy bombs, and when Nunes and Cyborg came out, that's all they wanted to do. It just looked like that's like you know what I'm gonna establish this tempo, and I'm gonna punch her right in the face. And if she swings back, I'm gonna duck. I'm gonna hit her right back. I'm gonna keep hitting at her. You know, because like her coaches had a game plan for Cyborg, and they legit told her like, hey, you're gonna win this fight, and this is how you're gonna do it. And it was great. I'm not gonna lie. It yep. was it was an amazing moment to see uh, to see Nunes do that. And then you know, credit to Cyborg too. Cyborg had like she you know she praised her. She said a lot of great things about Nunes, and then she went on uh, Instagram. She had a big long post thanking her fans and saying how they rode together and everything. It was very very classy. Like that's one thing about Cyborg that I can totally appreciate is that she wins yeah. like a champion and she loses like a champion. Yeah. And that's the thing to do with those two. It's, I think, uh, you know, watching like that's that's what should have happened at the end of like Conor McGregor's last fight. You know, like that's how that would have been the perfect ending to that one, you know, and to watch uh, to watch Cyborg respond to it. Because honestly, I thought Cyborg just like, produced crazy crap. I mean, because you don't really see like the soft much. But she does have a pretty soft side, man, and it's a good soft side. That's what makes her a great champion. It's like, you know, uh, I didn't know Cyborg was, uh, I guess, as uh, soft heart as. You know, I was looking at uh, some deal on Twitter saying that, like, uh, her uh, her entrance theme song yesterday, like Cyborg's theme song, was uh, it was like some kind of deal helped towards like helping people like a charity or something like that by having that song as her entrance song. Yeah, like for like. For people of like AIDS or something, so yeah, I mean, very... it just goes to, like when people look at Cyborg; they're just like, "Oh, she's this crazy bitch that's been popped with like steroids or something." But no, she's a she's she seems like she's a pretty respectable person. Yeah, even in her interview, she's pretty respectful. But I mean, just because uh, people aren't used to to that type of person, you know, as a champion, like uh, you know, she can't. You know, her English is broken and stuff. And so, but to watch it online and after the fight to see her Instagram posts and everything. And that was pretty cool, man. It was, you know, that's the way, to, that's the way a champion's supposed to lose. Yep. So I agree. So let's move on because we're going to have to talk about the fight. The, the, yeah, fight. this is what everybody came for, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is what everybody <laughs> wanted to hear tonight. So we have John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson, right? Um, in the first round, uh, the one thing I kind of noted was it looked like John Jones was a little too relaxed for me in the fight, but it is what it is. That's definitely John Jones. Uh, he uh, continued to push for the takedown, but he just getting stuffed. Uh, Jones uh, continuing T-Pay in the knee, which was definitely something I noted because it really stifled a lot of stuff that Gustafin was trying to do. Uh, he was good. To uh, there was great defense from both John Jones and Alexander Gustafson. Uh, both fighters were looking to land, but they they weren't really getting their timing together. Uh, once we got into the second round, uh, Jones continued to land. He stuffed, and uh, there was another great takedown defense by Gustafson. And then uh, Gus was starting to getting into rhythm. Like his boxing was really starting to put together. Uh, then once Jones uh, was moving into, Jones kept moving into T-Pay range. Once he was moving into T-Pay range, uh, Gus. Uh, Gus's legs started to give out, and the one thing I wanted to note was between the second round and the third round, uh, Gus 
was getting his calf iced on one side while he was getting his shin looked at on the other. So it looked like his left shin was about to explode while his right calf was just swollen beyond belief. And then in the third round, it was John Jones getting an easy takedown. Uh, and then he just maintained side control. And it was something that he had noted too in the interview with jo uh, Joe Rogan was that once you got Alexander Gustafson to the ground, all you had to do was just wait 30 seconds and you're going to win the fight. And what we ended up seeing was Jones ended up taking the back and just started dropping down some heavy, heavy bombs from the, from up top. Jones ended up winning this fight in the third round by TKO and new light heavyweight champion John Jones made his return. Yeah, there you go, man. That's about as uh, that's pretty much what happened. And I tell you what, um, Alexander, I, he didn't look as sharp as he did the first time he fought Jones, which is crazy because I thought uh, I thought he would be. A lot. I don't know. I figured he would be way more impressive than the, than the first fight, but and I figured Jones would be. I don't know. For some reason, the roles are flip flop for me. I figured Alexander would be way more, way sharper, and Jones would be a little bit more sluggish. But I mean, Jones didn't lose a step, man. Not in my in my opinion, John Jones did not lose a step from that last fight. And uh, I think Alexander kind of was overlooking the fact that John Jones hasn't fought in quite some time. But uh, you know, the greats and the champions like John Jones, man, like. He, Jones even said it in the pre-fight interview. He said, when I fought Alexander the first time, I know that I wasn't in the best shape of my life. I know that he fought a really watered-down version of me, and um, I, and I still beat him. And this time, I'm ready for it. You yeah, know? so, so like, I mean... He, I think the craziest part for me, right, was when um, John Jones... Uh, and, I, and I had made note of this a couple times, and I've said this a couple times to other people, that... John Jones, I, he literally he said it on Joe Rogan's podcast that he was out, he'd be out drinking and partying and carrying on and just being a young dumb kid, and he wasn't fully prepared for Alexander Gustafson the first time around. Come the second time around, though, I truly believe that this John Jones that we saw last night is the John Jones of old, the same John Jones that just destroyed Daniel Cormier, like five takedowns yeah. in the first I, fight, you know. Dude, and I'm not even talking about the second John fight. That where that that head kick came from. I'm just establishing the fact that if you look back at John Jones's track record, he was able to dissect people left and right and call it how he saw it. And when he did that to Alexander Gustafson, I was like, "This is the John Jones I remember who fought uh, Shogun Hua, who fought Leota Machida, who beat Rashad Evans, Rampage, yeah, man, you know, Rampage. Like... the list of all those guys that like, he was able to dissect everybody. So it's good to see that." He kind of got over that fame yeah, and that little ghost in his head that kept telling him to do bad things. So we'll wait because obviously yeah. everybody's going to say this. We're going to wait a month and then we'll see what happens yeah. with John Jones with the testing. Yeah, we'll see. We'll wait for that little rat Ariel who will tweet something. Out. I'm you. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. But anyway, man. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, I tell you what. As far as John Jones goes, I think he's going to be better than the old John Jones now, man, because he's got the experience. He knows like the demons of the sport. Like now he's he's aware, and he's not in, he's not very old, man. You know we're talking about like uh, Mendez out here being thirty three years old. Like John Jones, he's thirty one. He still has you know I mean he's got a couple years before he even hits Mendez's age. You know so it's like I think he's got I could see John Jones fighting. Watching John Jones fight until he's BJ Penn's age, I think he would still be dominant like he is now, man. But. I guess we'll see. You know, I was gonna say I was gonna say earlier, it was crazy watching Alexander fight a clean, healthy 
John Jones. But I was going to say put an asterisk on that clean because we're not sure yet for sure. So yeah, we'll just wait. We'll I wait. hope it doesn't come back clean, man. All right. I hope he does Here's come back thing. clean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, John Andrew. Jones, if you're listening. Here's the thing I love you, man. Here's, here's the thing about this is Gustafsson uh, all week's been trash talking, saying that he knows he won that last fight and he's going to not only win the fight, but he's going to win every round. Pointed him the first all first round. I think John Jones, you know, um, and then he let uh, Alexander Gustafsson like into his groove. But even during his uh, post fight interview, he said, "Go back and look at the tape. I didn't get hit much." This John Jones is gonna be scary. This John Jones is showing that now he can wrestle as well. Um, what really happens in the in the past few years, if John Jones doesn't be dumb, is he still undefeated? Is he still the goat? Is he still the man to beat in this in the in, in this weight division, or does he go up to heavyweight already and own that division as well? John so Jones been a couple is the man to be in next martial arts period right now, dude. Yeah. There's been a couple things, though, which is funny because, like, as everybody's been asked that same question, right? Does he go up to heavyweight? Does he do anything? And the one thing that John Jones said in this post-fight interview, I definitely 100% agree with him, right? It's just that DC has been the one talking trash about John Jones. Like, see, he told you he was a cheater. See, he's the worst, blah, 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 blah. But the thing is, is that at light heavyweight, John Jones has been the man. And DC is the man at heavyweight right now. So why can't they just have their same legacies? Like, just have parallel legacies. Because the one thing that we definitely know is that DC, and I'm going to say it, DC can't beat John Jones. He can't. And, you think he John, can or he can't? He can't. There's He just can't do yeah. it. Like, John Jones uh, I agree. Is, is, a, is, a, is a ridiculous talent. And John Jones, right now, being the king of the 205s, just let him be. Like, if you want yeah. that title... Then drop down and go take that title from John Jones. Otherwise, stay your ass at heavyweight. Go fight right. some more. Some like fight you somebody. You can fight Brock Lesnar. Get get your money fight. Go fight Brock Lesnar if that's what you really want. But if it's not what you want, then drop down to 205 and shut John Jones up. Because John Jones has said it. If you want my title, then come down here and take it from me. Or shut me up. Do what you want. But in the, in the end... It's about me right now because he's he is the guy. He's the guy, and and, and we know DC can't pass him. Not exactly. Is is with this? Say John Jones is says his career, and he doesn't get stripped of his title a few years back. What's the light heavyweight division with John Jones as champion? It's it's exactly what Demetrius Johnson's title run was where you defend it 11 times, and you run through all the competition, and there's nobody left. If you want to kind of compare it to somebody else, it's Ronda Rousey, right? Ronda runs through the 1, the 2, the 3, the 4, the 5 person, and beats all these people, and she's just so dominant, but the game would eventually catch up. And I think the thing that we're seeing, too, is that because John Jones was stripped, he was gone for a year, came back, gone, gone again, came back, like, people really couldn't, like check his full ability out, check what his full arsenal was, and then John Jones comes back. I think if John Jones um, had never been stripped, I we we're still we're still talking about him being the greatest of all time. Like yeah. it's just there's there's no question to it. It's just he I would have said I last think night might have been I the think, chance he lost his belt. 
then I think there's only, in my opinion, well, I think there's only one man in the world that could beat John Jones. And when it happens, it'll be a dream fight, man. You guys know who that. You guys know who I'm talking about here. Who you take? Who you saying? I'm talking about John Jones versus Georgia Saint Pierre, man. That is the fight that is like the only thing that interests me as far as any kind of like dream fight right now. See, and I couldn't, I couldn't do I that. I tell you fight. what, I, if someone, if you ask me who's better, GSP or John Jones, I'm gonna tell you GSP. See, okay, so that's just my. I, I'll, I'll tell you this, right? I like GSP. Right, and the reason I like GSP is because GSP, whatever weakness you may have said that GSP has, GSP has gone back through and closed that weakness up. Right, so if you're like, well, your BJJ game's not that good, cool. He just goes and trains with people who does BJJ. You don't think his wrestling is good, cool. He'll just go train with the Canadian national team. You don't think his boxing is good, cool. He'll just go get trained by Freddie Roach. You don't think his karate exactly. game is very good, he goes to trains with this guy. So on, so on, so on. So you can never say that GSP has like a big hole in his game. The craziest part is though is that what weight class do you have them fight at? If you want them to fight, obviously GSP think- can fight at 185. You know, but you're not going yeah, to have John Jones go drop up. to 185. Yeah, GSP would definitely have to go up. But, I mean, it just kind of – it's that would be – that's the only guy I could think of in, the, in all of MMA right now. Give, uh, John absolutely John absolutely not. Who absolutely you? not. Uh, really, who do you, who you got? Who do you thinking, Anthony? Who's going to give him the fight? Here soon. Here soon you guys are going to see somebody that makes his comeback. Here soon you're going to see somebody that's going to be main eventing UFC on ESPN+. Plus. Who, and his name's Kane. Can uh, all right. Well, on that note, it was a good podcast. I'm out. <laughs> Kane's a great wrestler, a great striker. Oh. Dominated a, a in the Brock Lesnar. Don't 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 hate on Kane. Uh, Kane's real big loss was to JDS with a uh, punch to the back of the ear, and then yes, he definitely got beat by uh, uh, Rudum. Because his conditioning was off. I legitimately think that Kane would give John Jones a money run for uh, uh, for that. I think here's you know, my only it's thing. Uh... Here's my only thing with with Kane Velasquez right now. Right, it's that he's been out of the fight game for about two two and a half years. It seems like um, he's definitely he's he. Hey, we're always gonna put him in a in, in a spot, right? Because even we talk about Stipe. When Stipe had his big run, and we we're like, yo, Stipe is the greatest heavyweight right now. Yeah, but he never fought Kane. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we compare everybody to Kane Velasquez, but the thing is, is that Kane Velasquez is has such a different structure from what John Jones is. Like, I don't think John Jones could hang with someone like Kane Velasquez. It's, it's just not going to happen. We know yeah. that DC well, trains with Kane Velasquez. Well, who was the last guy that Kane beat? The last guy Kane beat. Who was it? Uh, Travis Brown. Kane, yes. Travis Brown. Travis, no. Travis Brown. And I look at Travis Brown's record oh, ever since that fight. Dude. He's lost every. I'm pretty sure Travis Brown has lost every single fight since he lost to Cain Velasquez. Yeah. And then before that, Velasquez got tapped out, dude. So it's like, to I don't know, man. I think Cain, you know, Cain Velasquez. I I respect the dude, and it's awesome some of the things I've seen him do. But I really don't think that. Uh, a healthy, you know, as, as we're talking about John Jones right now and saying, like, you know, he looks clean, he's healthy, all this stuff and everything, like, you know, a healthy, clean John Jones against a Cain Velasquez, like, it's, I just, I can't, that to me, 
I'm not seeing that. But what does Cain Velasquez usually weigh in at? He usually weighs in like 245, 255. Like he's in that range. Yeah, like you're talking about 50-pound difference. And then even if you told John Jones like, hey, you don't got to cut weight, he's probably still weighing in like 220, 225, maybe 230. He's probably naturally walking around at about no no more than 230. Yeah, so he's still giving up 20, 20, 30 pounds. Cain naturally walks around at 250 and drops down to 240. But what we're saying is that you're still giving up, you know, 20, 20 to 25 pounds to Cain Velasquez. The, the, the idea, though, that Cain Velasquez is going to be the guy who destroys John Jones, that's almost like saying, eh, well, that's if you put, you know, Mike Tyson with, uh, if we put Mike Tyson in this fight with Lennox Lewis, like, Mike Tyson could land that bomb. Yeah, but... Cain Velasquez is a whole different type of fighter. Like, he's a great wrestler. He's got great takedowns. He's got a lot of speed. He could definitely close the gap in on on John Jones. But ultimately, here's my problem. It's just never going to happen. And Cain Velasquez, yeah. like, being out with his back injury and stuff like that, I we have yet to see how he can move. I mean, we saw him throwing heel kicks yeah. against Travis Brown, who was a much taller fighter. And I wouldn't give props where I get props. But after that fight, he didn't come back. He even told Dana White, what, he's like, I've got my next back surgery planned after this fight. And then the Nevada State Athletic Commission came through and pulled him off the card. And then we haven't seen Kane since. So the problem with Kane is that his durability issue, he's going to have a lot of ring rust. And even if you give him a prep fight, he's still not being ready for John Jones. I just think that yeah. John Jones is going to – John Jones would give him a good run for his money if John Jones was like the second or third fight. Now, if Kane Velasquez came in and fought maybe – three or four more fights, it might be a different story at that point. I might yeah, give it to exactly. Cain Velasquez. But exactly. if you were to feed John Jones... And it'd have to be some good fights too, man. I mean, yeah, he'd have to have some... He'd have to... I mean, maybe seeing Cain Velasquez and like Daniel Cormier, that that would be interesting. And I well, think they fight Velasquez the same camp. They're never going to fight. Ass out. Yeah, they fight but, the same camp. They, they'll just never fight each other. That's just... That's just a given. But if I saw Alistair Overeem versus Cain Velasquez, or maybe if I saw a JDS Cain Velasquez fight again, or maybe even like the fight we're going to see in a couple of weeks with Francis Naganu, uh, it'll it'll be very very, it'll be very. I'm, I'll be subjective. I can definitely understand your point with Cain Velasquez. I would have said that if you wanted to wait a couple years and see who could test John Jones, uh, Adesanya is probably going to be that guy. Yeah, yep. No, no, I agree with that one too, man. That's a good call on that one. But, you know, it's all a matter of just seeing what John Jones is going to do. Is he going to clean? Is he going to stay fit? What What's going to happen with John Jones? It's, that's here's, the thing that sucks about our, John Jones. He's so unpredictable as far as his personal life. We, we, we definitely ventured out a little bit on this. My biggest point on this is if John Jones continuously be, stays healthy and goes on the streak of beating everybody, does he? Does he wipe out the lightweight, light heavyweight division, or do you go to heavyweight and compete at heavyweight as well? I think he only goes up to heavyweight and competes if, um, if the division was similar to how DC had it, right? Where DC saw like it was very trashish. He could get in there, he could sneak a couple wins and and go for the title. I think that's ultimately what we saw, and I think that would have been the same thing with John Jones. He would have got that division when it was at its lowest, and then take the title. Similar to how Randy uh, Randy Couture did it. Randy Couture did the same thing. He saw the division was weak, and he was like, I'm going to go take this title, and he did. Yep. Moving on. Let's move on with the show a little bit. We are still running pretty late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Sure. So here's here's the last subject that we're going to talk about today, right? So obviously we've just established we have this huge argument right now about the GOAT status, right? Greatest of all time is what we're talking. So we have a lot of different fighters up there that we want to talk about. Uh, so currently with John Jones winning the belt, and you can call it a third time if you want to. It's really it, – he never lost the title. Um, so where do you guys rank John Jones as as the GOAT? period hands down he's never been beat inside that cage besides a dq besides a disqualification john jones has never ever been scared i mean or or even close that close to losing other than goose uh gustafson the first time but john wasn't even that uh wasn't even training that hard now that John Jones is back in the ring and he'll, now he's got a little bit of life under his belt, I think John Jones is right now the greatest of all time. I would set him. I would set John Jones number two right behind George St. Pierre. That's where I would put him at, and that's based on the fact that GSP has wrote. Look how long I can't remember the last time I've seen George St. Pierre take a loss. And the thing about GSP is uh, he's never he's never been stripped. He hasn't done any, you know, he's done everything the way he's supposed to do it. He's come, he's retired. He's come back. He's won. You know, he's he's done everything he can. The guy has proven that he can that he has it anytime. If he decides he wants to come back, win the title, he can come back and win the title. Um, and there's but no question the about that. No way, no way can you say that he beat Michael Bisping for the title, Michael. Easily. Not just not just beat him, he beat him easily. So Yo, and not even that's that. that. Like he, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but Michael Bisbee knocked out Luke Rockhold, who knocked out Chris Weedman, who beat Anderson Silva. So Exactly. Let, yo, dude. Before we start throwing out shots like Michael Bisbing is like a bum, like I will tell you Michael Bisbing is a bum, but I yeah. will also give you re- I will Bisping, give respect where he is. <laughs> no, he worked Bisbing worked his way to the top, man. He worked his way to the top, and he was a whole different animal when he fought George St. Pierre. The only problem is, is George St. Pierre is George St. Pierre. He is the Michael Jordan of, of MMA, man. And that's and that's my opinion. You know, John Jones, he's awesome. He's a great fighter and everything, but I don't think he has it mentally the way George St. Pierre has it mentally, at least not yet. I mean, GSP, that dude commits his whole life to Mex martial arts. Um, it's, it's all everything, man. It's, I mean, the dude retired because he was so obsessed with Mex martial arts to the point where he just couldn't do it anymore because he was so obsessed with it. And then he came back and he got his belt back. And when he beat Bisping, Bisping was in the best shape of his life. And if it would have been anybody else, I guarantee you Bisping probably would have killed him. So, but, you know, like I said, that's where I would put him number two. I still think number two behind Dorsey Pierre is still pretty awesome. So, that's my opinion on that one, my dude. What, what do you got, Anthony? You know, getting away from bum George GSP talk right now. I love GSP. He's my dude. Cliff, who's the greatest of all time in your books? Oh, and see, to me right now, I, like, I, I may have to consider – I may have to consider John Jones as the greatest of all time. Like, you can make arguments for a lot of different fighters, right? We can even make arguments for Anderson Silva. We can make arguments for uh, Demetrius Johnson. And we can make arguments for, for DC. But the thing is, is that John Jones never lost. Like, that disqualification from that 12-6 to 6 elbow that came down, that uh, Mario Yamasaki, like, just 
demolished. Yeah. It was a bum move, and he was a bum for doing it. So to me, John Jones right now, as an evolutionary statement, he continues to be – he continually utilizes his range. He continually utilizes his wrestling. He can, he can submit guys. He can knock them out. We've seen that twice. I just – I have to lean in a way of John Jones. Like even if John Jones never like, lost, if John Jones never like, got stripped, you would still be seeing John Jones. This wouldn't even be a discussion. We would never be like, well, oh, what you know what? Let the, me give. Let me. You would never be talking Johnson about Anderson Silva. Demetrius Johnson. I said, what about Demetrius Johnson? Would he be in the conversation of the greatest of all time if he wouldn't have lost his belt? No. No. I just. Because, you don't think because so? pre no, previously, previously to that weight class, man, he was getting beaten his weight class, and then he dropped down a weight class and started being dominant in that range. I think where you saw uh, John Jones was continuously at 205, he was beating people, and then even Anderson Silva being at 185, he was beating people, and GSP was beating people at 155. It just it's a whole different beast. And even when he went to 170, he was beating people. It's just when you look at someone like. Um, Demetrius Johnson, he had to go from 155 down to 135 to fight and win. No. Yeah, I hear you on that point. I hear you on that point, Clifford. So there's, there you go, man. I think, you know, and it's a really close one with John Jones and, and GSP for me. And I think, uh, I just think that's the thing with John Jones. He just hasn't really shown that he has the entire discipline needed to be considered the greatest mex martial artist of all time. That's the that's the deal there. It's one thing to be um, to be a great champion and everything may be the greatest champion of all time, but when it comes down to the greatest mixed martial artist, well rounded, all around, that's where I think GSP's got him. Because he doesn't just have it physically and in the books, but he also has it mentally. And I think that's where John Jones if John Jones comes back in a month and it turns out he was on steroids, is he still in this talk? No. Not then no. That would be that would be a dead yeah. subject. No, but exactly. I agree with you. As far as the greatest mixed martial artists, yeah, definitely GSP over over uh, over John Jones. I definitely would agree with that. But I just think that as far as quality fighters that mm. John Jones has had, they've been better than what GSP has had. I just could be honest. I mean, you could be like yeah. BJ Penn, Frank Trigg, Matt Serra, uh, and Matt Serra and Frank Trigg weren't really that great anyway. Matt Hughes, I can give you that one. You know, Michael there's like Bisping, certain people in there. Diaz, like I can no, give you those guys. But I couldn't give you Johnny Con Hendricks. Uh, Condit, you know, Hendricks. Like, all these different guys, you know, it's just like, um, it's – you know, it's up in the air, man. I guess we'll see where if we have this conversation, maybe two or three years from now, you know, maybe I'll have a different change of a different change of heart as far as John Jones goes and being the greatest of all time. But right now, that's just where I'm at. And honestly, and so, at this point uh, yeah, in time, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. Honestly, at this point in time, I you might want to start considering Amanda Nunes in that conversation of goat. Like yeah. she just beat she Cyborg. Is, she is, in my opinion, she is the greatest of all time female for sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. after last night, what else do you do, dude? She smacked up Rousey, Tate, freaking. You know, it's like, what else do you do? There's not like when she was like, "Can I be in the Hall of Fame now?" It's like, seriously, dude. <laughs> you don't even have to ask. That's just a given. Like, it's like you just took down Christy Christina Cyborg. Like, I don't think you understand. You just beat the greatest of all time. Handily, yeah. you killed her. <laughs> you killed her, man. It's like you knocked her out in like two minutes. You know, it's like 
God, man, it's crazy. I'm in at 51, but no one's no one's counting. No one's keeping that kind of track. If 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 we're if we're we're about this, Amanda Nunez, how close of that at a 215 main event? You'll see 215 against Valentina Shevchenko when she won on a split. If she if that goes the other way, are we talking about Amanda Nunez still being the goat of the female division? I mean, probably, probably, honestly, probably, just because. We're still talking about Christina Cyborg. Like, we're still talking about Christina Cyborg, like the greatest female fighter of all time, who's retired Gina Carano, who we can establish and say, you know, we thought that Gina Carano was that girl. But then to watch Christy Cyborg get knocked out by Amanda Nunes, you're still saying, like, hey, Shashenko is Shashenko's the girl. And if she had, if the decision had gone the other way from Nunes to Shashenko, then yeah, at that point, I mean, I mean, we're just looking at Nunes still saying, look, Nunes still beat Cyborg. I agree. I mean, I agree with that. Just saying, look at the list of girls that Cyborg, or women, I'm sorry. Look at the women that Cyborg has fought and beaten. And then look at look at Nunes' Nunes's, uh, stack. We already kind of understand the whole like, ordeal with, with uh, where Nunes, if you looked at Nunes' uh, card and you looked at Cyborg's card and you compared it, you know, meet to meet, you're going to say, yeah, you know what? I kind of like Nunes, especially with the win over Cyborg and the list of people that Cyborg has beaten. So that's where that's just where I sit with it. Like right that, I I do. So that kind of wraps it up. We uh, lost Ricky in the in this process, so we'll see. We'll catch him uh, soon. I know that you guys can catch him. Hey, and Ricky. Ricky, can you hear us? Hey, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> It's all right. Hey, man, so we're just going to wrap it up, man. So go ahead and let your uh, okay. let our listeners know where they can find you. Hey, guys, you can find me on Twitter at EB Sports Gaming. On Twitter at EB Sports Gaming. want to apologize there for falling off there at the end. Um, one of the things Cliff, Cliff catches me while I'm at work to do these podcasts with him. So I'm kind of just doing my job and uh, talking to you guys at the same time. So. You know, I get paid to hang out with you guys and talk in my main. And uh, sometimes we'll talk wrestling when we get really bored, huh, Cliff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, because we still have that coming up, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, go ahead and give them out your, uh, so, yeah. your link of love. All right, people. So, again, just like we talked about last week uh, or another day, um, season beatings here down here in Lincoln is coming up. My boy, boy Joseph, is going to be uh, the main event in this card. If you're here in Lincoln, get your asses down to Pinnacle and support uh, some local MMA. Um, and Jade hasn't told, given us any kind of dates lately, but definitely just got done making music uh, and a video, so that'll be up. If you have me on Facebook, I did uh, I did put that on my Facebook. Go out there and share that. Um, definitely the other things that we want to talk about is 22 veterans a day lose their lives. So don't hesitate to reach out to us. Don't hesitate to message us. We will answer you. You're not alone. That's 22 a day. Yeah, guys. So it's a very important cause that Anthony and myself believe in very much that, 
you know, we're out there. Jews, uh, we, we reach out to our, our troops, whether the home front or the overseas, man. We, we love you guys. We want you to know that you guys can always reach out to us and talk to us. And it's not just only for the veterans. We're, we're here for everybody. Like, just you can find us all a part of uh, on all of our social media. So if you look for me, it's at uh, CM underscore Miller 85. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, as well as Snapchat under that handle. And, uh, yeah, you guys can also catch us here with more cool programming like Frankensteiner, as Slick Rick has uh, mentioned, that you guys can catch us once again. That's Frankensteiner right here on Franken Culture. Um, Anthony, go ahead and give him your handle as well. All right, y'all can catch me on uh, on Twitter and on Snapchat at alujan1985. That's A-L-U-J-A-N-1985. Y'all want to catch me up on that uh, Instagram? It's Anthony Luhan1985. Hit me up, add me, I'll add you, and we'll follow each other. It just sounds very Boom. And that's there you way. go. All right, guys. So that's going to be us for today. Thank you guys for everything that you guys have done. Uh, this is our last show for the year. <laughs> and uh, we will be excited to get started with uh, more UFC talks uh, next, next year. So. Go ahead, Rick. Tell him bye. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, man. Appreciate y'all. And I look forward to doing this again sometime with you, Clifford and Anthony. <laughs> no problem. Take it easy, y'all. Anthony, go ahead. Give me your goodbyes. Me too. All right, guys. And as always, good fight and good night.